0: I've been changed from a rule to treasure, I've been given a hope and a future, I've been blessed beyond all measure, I am counting every blessing, counting every blessing. Welcome Whiteman Warriors to the Practicing the Pillars podcast where every airman is a leader. When you lead yourself first, others will line up to follow. What is up, Whiteman Warriors? This is Chaplain Captain Graham Bailey. I am joined by the 509 Bomb Wing MRT, Tech Sergeant Kim Desalus, and the man, the myth, the legend, the incomparable from the 509 Munns Squadron, Lieutenant Parker Hammond, also known as Blue Eyes uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, Parker has got some uh, amazing steel blue eyes, like Zoolander. Uh, steel blue, baby. Uh, all right, hey Parker, we're glad that you're here, man. Thanks for joining us to tell us your story. Uh, for those of you who are listen, for those of you who are listening, um, Parker, you uh, recently graduated from the United States Air Force Academy, uh, and when you graduated, uh, you were one of two or three people uh, who were called out by name by uh, the keynote speaker at your graduation who happened to be uh, the President of the United States. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about about that experience being called out by the President as a, as a graduating cadet from uh, USAFA, the zoo.
1: Oh, geez. Um, well, first off, thanks for having me. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a terrifying but awesome, exciting experience mm-hmm. to get... Uh, called up and I was told to just kind of stand up and wave and smile and then sit back down. And then uh, all my classmates started pushing on me because apparently uh, President Trump was was telling me to come up and come see him. Uh, So I walked out and went and shook his hand. He made a few comments to me and then uh, saluted him and walked back to my seat. It was crazy. (laughs) What did he say to you? Um, He said something about They love you, Parker, which he also said in the video as well.
2: They were really just talking about your eyes. (laughs) He did follow.
1: He ended the conversation. As I was walking back, he said, wow, there's some pretty good-looking people at the Air Force Academy. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think he was talking about me, but he was talking about someone.
0: (laughs) You were not, um, as pretty as you are, you were not uh, called up there because of that why were you called out um by the president of the united states uh to come up and be coined by him as a graduating cadet
1: so uh, in may of my junior year so may of 2018 um i found a lump on my testicle and Mm. decided to get it checked out uh ended up actually being in the middle of finals when i was going to going through that process of getting it checked out and Ended up getting a call as I was walking to uh, my philosophy final of all things. Wow. From a surgeon down at Fountain Fort Carson, the Army hospital down south in Colorado Springs. And she said that uh, you have testicular cancer and we need you in for surgery that afternoon to go get it out and do some tests. So hold on, hold on, time out.
0: Like you're walking to your exam in philosophy. Which is like a the mean, the meaning of life class. Yep. Right. You're going to like be tested on how well you understand the meaning of life or how well uh, really ancient old dead dudes understood the meaning of life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and you're gonna have to go sit and write about that. And on your way in to writing I imagine it was probably an essay exam yep. to writing about the meaning of life, you get you get told you have testicular cancer. Um, and it's, and it requires immediate surgery, which means it's significant and severe. Did you take your test? I did not. So
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like, okay. I was a little rattled to say the least. Yeah. And, um, at the time emotionally, like didn't really deal with it at all. I was just like, Oh, well, uh, I need to go do this thing. It's just like another box to check. So I went and talked to my teacher. Um, and he actually helped me out a lot. He called, uh, my, I think it was engineering mechanics teacher as well. And. Called him and they both decided to not give me the final, and so that I could go have surgery. So on your, I'm not entirely sure which one was the better yeah. option.
2: <laughs> Did you have to make yeah. it up later, though. Uh, I actually
1: didn't. So I'll I have to
0: choose between a philosophy exam and having my private parts cut open. Yeah,
1: I'll I'd probably choose the essay. I'd pick the <laughs> essay. <laughs> I'd pick the essay. Yeah, dude. Okay. I digress. Yeah. But yeah, so that happened, and I didn't take. Didn't end up taking the final. I ended up meeting with my philosophy teacher a bunch um, the next year just to sit down and kind of redo the class pretty much. So that wasn't the fun part. But um, yeah, so I went and had surgery. Uh, they originally told me that it was stage one and that I was good to go, um, that the, the cancer was localized and uh, hadn't spread throughout the rest of my body. So they were going to do another follow-up test in a couple of weeks and, you know, go home, recover, heal. And, uh, about two weeks later I got a call. I was actually in this time I was in, uh, my powered flight class. So I had just gotten back from a flight and, uh, they said that they relooked at the scans and that it was stage three. So that uh, the cancer had spread all the way into my lymph nodes and, mm. um, had spread up to my collarbone. So, it's a pretty long distance. That's a far, <laughs>
0: that's a long way to travel. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't had, it had infected, um, a few of my lymph nodes all the way, kind of all the way up through that process. So, and uh,
0: stage three is the worst,
1: uh, there, there is a stage four, but that's pretty much terminal, terminal. With Okay. with that. So oh,
0: terminal means stage four. You, people usually refer to stage four as terminal. Yeah. Got it.
1: Okay. So, um, Stage three wasn't the best option, right. That I could hear, yeah. especially going from them originally telling me stage one. So, uh, kind of took that and they gave me two options between either having, a uh, surgery to remove all of my lymph nodes and, you know, hope for the best. And then maybe if they got it all, we I wouldn't have to do chemo. Um, but if they didn't get it all, then I'd have to do chemo anyways, or they could just send me into an aggressive, uh, chemo regimen. Um, do lymph nodes grow back?
2: No, no, I don't believe. No, that. they're they just
1: gone. Not. Yeah.
2: But they they're pretty important in like fighting um mm. I believe like fighting bacteria yeah. and like other yeah. diseases and viruses. They yeah. help
1: make up like a lot of your immune, your immune system.
0: system. Yeah. That's what I And um, they don't right? come back. So you could lose basically a major part of your immune system forever. Yeah. Or do chemo.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a tough decision.
0: And if I had to choose between making that choice and finishing powered flight, I pick powered flight. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: having a blast up until yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> they tossed that on me. It's
0: all fun and games until your lymph nodes get cut out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so what did so what did you do?
1: Um, I ended up choosing the chemo option. Uh having the possibility of chemo in the long run sounded horrible and um I had already had a bunch of surgeries between mm. the surgery that I most recently had and, and some other stuff that was football related. So I. You were an athlete. I was. Okay. Wow. You so played for
2: uh, them? I was Academy, recruited. Correct?
1: Yeah, I was recruited at the Air Force Academy to go play. Um, so I played my first couple of years, had two hip reconstructive surgeries for both my MCLs, and then broke my wrist as well. And at that point, I kind of was like, you know, maybe this isn't really the best thing for me Mm -hmm. from a physical standpoint. Little did I know, my body was actually going to get worse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you quit playing football. What position did you play?
1: Uh, I played left tackle, so offensive line. Oh.
0: So I was a big boy. Yeah. You've lost a lot of tonnage since you (laughs) were left tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that probably, that process of getting healthy probably wasn't a bad thing when it came time to go to chemo. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I mean, I felt like I was in the best shape of my life leading into it, which, mm-hmm. which helped a lot with, with both how I think I handled the chemo, um, and just my recovery afterwards as well. Um, and just how well my body was able to fight. Cause I mean, I was sitting in, sitting in the chemotherapy room, in the oncology department with a bunch of, you know, 50, 60 year old people. And so my body was able to fight back a lot better than, you know, somebody who's, who's more elderly.
0: So what was that like going through chemo?
1: Um, it wasn't fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you at school?
0: Did you stay? At, did
1: so you, I got timed. Uh, the timing really was, was a massive blessing. And as weird as that sounds, uh, it was the end of my junior year. So I was leading into summer. Um, so I did nine weeks of chemo, did the most aggressive chemo regimen that they could give me, um, and so I did, did that, and I missed about a month and a half of school, um, and then decided that uh, I was going to go back to school and and try and fight to to graduate and fight to get back to school on time and be there with with my friends on the on the graduation floor.
2: And there was some concern, right, that you would not be able to graduate or commission in the end. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So so amidst all of. Uh, the going through chemo and and the hair falling out and stuff like that. When I first got diagnosed, I got told by the medical folks at the air force Academy that I was not going to graduate. Uh, they were not going to let me commission into the air force and that most likely what was going to happen is, um, I get kicked out. And so I, I fought against that and, so you're fighting for
0: your life and you're fighting for your uh, future, your your place in the Air Force at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I fought I fought against all of that, and you know, then they kind of started to sway into okay, we'll let you graduate, you know, whenever that may be, because you're not going to come back to school on time. You're going to take a semester off or a year off, um, and we'll let you graduate, but you're still not going to be able to commission. You're not suit to commission anymore. And again, to that, I was very defiant, <laughs> to <laughs> say the least, and, and not happy about that. I mean, I wanted to serve. I didn't wear a, a uniform for four years going to school every day to, to not get the opportunity to serve the people around me. So,
2: yeah. Now, was that because they were concerned about, like, uh, it coming back and affecting you again in the future? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it's an investment thing as well, right? So like you said, if it came back, and it affected me again, or, you know, stopped me from doing my job, that's money that they're not only putting into uh, my treatment, but also money that they're a job that they're not getting out of me, essentially. So that was kind of the the argument there and, and kind of what the regulations are are there for all of that.
0: So you mentioned chemo, you, you were out for nine weeks, um, over the summer and then another month and a half, right. Uh, before you went back to school, um, you didn't, you went back home and with your family during that time.
1: So I was, again, like I said, like, this is another massive blessing. Uh, I was from Colorado Springs. So my family was just across the highway from school. Um, so I was able to stay stay with my family throughout the entire process and, and have them, both my family and friends, come to chemo sessions with me, which was really, really cool um, to be able to have that support system of both my friends at the academy and, and my peers uh, still right across the highway from me and also have my family right there. It was, it was incredible.
0: So your support network was, was family and also uh, the, the people in the air force that uh, at the academy, your fellow students and cadets, the, the relationships that you had built, what, what was that? What was that like? What, what did they do? How did they, how did they encourage and support you in that process? Um, Even though the institution, right. Was telling mm-hmm. you things you didn't want to hear. The people were still li- like, they were a, a huge support for you. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What was that like?
1: I mean, it was overwhelming. Uh, honestly, it was, it was overwhelming, but also, incredible and very humbling to have everyone from teachers to my commanding officer um, sending me flowers and, and sending me texts. And my squadron was sending me uh, notes every week saying congratulations for finishing this week. And and they were all signing it and writing, writing different little notes. And uh, I mean, I know from not only my church community, but but my friends at the academy, and and that family that I had grown there, and then my also my blood family. I mean, the amount of prayers that I was getting, and texts, and calls, and everything was just, I mean, amazing. It was incredible to see how much support I actually really had. Did
0: you have the energy to receive all that? I mean, chemo is super exhausting. Um, how do you how do you receive that, and and what does that do? Just sort of the kind of psychosomatic um, mind body kind of connection um, receiving that support. Did it, did it energize you? Did it did it help you fight more or did it kind of wear you down? Like what, what how, how did that work itself out in your own life? It was, you lost your hair and the, like all that chemo stuff that, and throwing up all the time. Um, like it's exhausting. It's brutal.
1: Yeah. I lost about 30 pounds um, after the, original 60 that I had lost from my playing football weight. So I was down a lot of weight. Um, and the hair falling out and all of that, The the chemo drugs and the, the drugs that they give you along with that actually make your sleep schedule really messed up. Um, everything from kind of amping you up to the anxiety meds that just, they don't really, they just kind of make you pass out, Mm. you know? Um, So that whole thing was exhausting in itself. And then trying to sit and reply to, Mm. I mean, there was, there was times where I had like 150 text messages, Mm. which is, is incredible, right? That's a massive uh, support system. And I'm very lucky to have that, but it was exhausting to sit down. And and there was, I mean, sometimes it would take me a week, two weeks to actually reply to people just from that aspect of, I don't want to talk to anyone. You know, yeah. I'm saying the same thing to everyone, with slight variations, and it's exhausting. But, you know, then I felt guilty about yeah. not appreciating the people who were who were loving on me during all all of this. So,
0: at, at some point, right, you you got through that, and then you just like go back to school. Like how, well, like what happened?
1: Um. So, so I finished chemo, uh, I believe it was like September 3rd or something like that. It was a, that first week of September is when I finished and I had been emailing my teachers and talking with my commander about trying to come back to class and and what that looked like, um, and whether or not they were going to let me come back to class in the Mm -hmm. first place. And my teachers were very supportive. Um, for the most part, they were, they were absolutely awesome and, and were, uh, open to having meetings with me by myself. Cause at the time I was, I didn't have an immune system. My yeah. white blood cells are completely dead, gone. Uh, so I didn't feel comfortable being around 4,000 cadets and yeah. in, in a classroom setting where, you know, and of course with COVID stuff now, it's, it's probably yeah. very similar. Right. Yeah. But, but I didn't feel comfortable being in that setting. So I had one-on-one teachers to kind of introduce myself and get to know, uh, all of my teachers and on top of that, I also felt pretty insecure about being the the skinny, pale, hairless, naked mole rat walking around. <laughs> Couldn't tell now, bro. You got
0: a, you got some nice locks now, bro. I'll I tell appreciate you it. Yeah. I'm lucky they came back. Yeah, though. they did. They came back full. They're good, man. And the stash is outstanding. Oh, god. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> So you had your teachers, uh, that did you did you end up going back into a classroom eventually? Like not just sitting with teachers and doing one-on-one independent study, but did you end up going back to a class?
1: Eventually I did. So some kind of the end of September, so about uh, two months into school, is when I got the all clear from, from my doctors based off my blood work um, to say that, that I can go back. My immune system is starting to operate um, at least better to some degree, right? So I was able to go back to class uh, end of September. So about two months into school, is when I was back around all my people and actually starting to starting to kind of live back in the dorms again. Because mm-hmm. for the time being, I was commuting from my house. So I was driving about forty five minutes to get to class. Yeah. Uh, every morning.
0: What did that What did that feel like going back into classes by your own kind of admission? The skinny, bald. What else did you say? Naked mole rat. Naked mole mole rat? Naked mole... Oh, man. Skinny bald naked mole rat. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, I mean, did you feel like... Did you feel every eye on you? Did you feel like um, people that knew you didn't know you? Like, did you feel like you were a token? Like, survive? like I don't know. Um, I personally would, like, want people to leave me alone.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was... I felt a little bit of all those things, honestly. Yeah. So, everything from just pure excitement and so much happiness to mm-hmm. be to be back in my place, right? Yeah. Like back. Back where I wanted to be and back with people. I had missed I had missed so much like having social interactions and seeing smiles and being able to smile about being with my friends. Uh but for, there was a lot of people that you know like walking into class for the first time, you don't miss 2 months of class at the Air Force Academy. Yeah. Like that's a really big, you know, you don't miss any days of school unless you have like official paperwork saying that you can miss. Or cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So walking back in as <laughs> as the very clearly looking like I had cancer or had just had cancer, um, you get a lot of weird stares. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of just like looks that just, you know, are just pity. And and whether or not it was actually pity, like that's some sometimes how I took it. Um, and I know, though, that like – can't really help that you know like I would feel the same thing if I saw someone mm-hmm. it was my classmate walk into class and look exhausted and look like that like I would probably give him the exact same look so
2: you mentioned before that you felt a little bit overwhelmed with the um, texts and the conversations and the people sending you you know loving on you and everything going into class and probably some of that social interaction was that overwhelming as well
1: I was I felt like I had been like taken away from all of that. Like I thrive off of like being able to interact with people. So I was extremely excited, but my energy level was also really low from just being completely drained. Like my body was trying to build back. Um, There was a time during chemo when I was sleeping like 20 hours a day, 16 Mm -hmm. to 20 hours a day. So I was just, pretty much just laying there sleeping in and out and so i was i was extremely exhausted from that so trying to do the same thing of you know hug and and talk to all of my friends who hadn't seen me in months was very energy giving but also i was coming from a very low energy point i can understand that yeah
0: so you fought the battle uh to get back to the academy um, you fought the battle to graduate from the Academy. You're sitting here, second Lieutenant, United States air force, five or nine months. Um, obviously, uh, you won the battle to graduate, uh, and you won the battle of commission. Um, how, how, did that, how did that play out? And how did that feel when, when you got told like, here you go?
1: Um, it was, it was amazing. To yeah. find out, uh, I didn't actually find out that they were going to let me commission until about beginning of April of senior year. So right and before you're about to graduate,
2: graduation is yeah. May,
0: right? You're doing all this work not knowing what the what the outcome is going to be, mm-hmm. but but you're still grinding, yeah. Um, with hope, of course. Man,
1: the hope's always there, right? Yeah, yeah. so. I mean, I I personally couldn't let myself, you know, get down or, or be in a state of like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. All this other bad stuff's already happened. Oh, well, it's probably just going to be bad. I was going to show, and if anything, I wanted to, in spite, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to prove that I could do it, right? I wanted to prove not only to myself, but, but to the Air Force and the Air Force Academy, the people that had said that I couldn't, uh, I wanted to prove that. Like with the help of my friends and and with God's help and and a lot of prayer, like we could we could get through it. We could make it there, and I could finish.
0: So that so that negative kind of feedback that you were receiving, um, telling you you can't, Parker, you cannot do this. That that did not have the impact um that that, that one might think it would have. Of just uh, everybody tells me I can't, so I just figure I can't, right. That you, you you were able to harness that and say mm, every time you tell me I can't, that makes me try even harder to prove that I can.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's
0: so good, man.
1: That's so good. Because I, I, everyone, like, there's always going to be people that say no. Yeah, and a lot of people, especially in today's world, like a lot of people, just say no mm-hmm. purely because they don't either. They don't want to put the the effort in to like find out what the actual answer is or, or whatever it may be. People say no, and that is not going to be, like, at least, like, for me, like, it wasn't going to be a reason to to not try. Mm.
0: Against all odds.
2: I'm still amazed that you went through all of that, and you graduated on time with your class. You missed two months of school, but you still graduated on time. You graduated on time. I, yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I just, that just like sung. Like, the yeah. The emotional impact, the physical impact. I mean just all of it, yeah, and you still graduated with everybody in your class. that's really cool
1: it was uh it was a blessing, and I mean that by no means the fact that that happened to me uh, was not necessarily something that that I did by myself, right mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I mean everything from like I mentioned like my class and my teachers and my professors and and my family, like the amount of support, the amount of prayers that had been coming from people I knew, people I didn't know, friends of friends, family members of friends. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. And and that is something that like I would not have made it on time. I wouldn't have made it to where I am today. Like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for for everybody else that, that helped me through all of that.
0: So you've got this song that we introed with. Uh, it's by Ren Collective. Uh, Counting every blessing, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've just recently—I just heard it. This is the first time I heard it, and it's a—it's wicked rad. Um, Counting every blessing. Uh, I was a ruin, but now I'm a treasure. Um, I just man, that's such a powerful uh, lyric. I, I wonder if you could—I wonder if you could just kind of talk a little bit about, um, but why—why you picked that song? How that speaks to you? Um, and, and you've mentioned prayer a few times, right? I, I absolutely, um, I mentioned I'm a chaplain, right? Yeah. I absolutely believe in the power of prayer. Um, and, and there've even been, there've even been studies done, um, about, about how prayer kind of functions like psychosomatically, which Mm -hmm. is really cool stuff. And we don't need to get into that, but yeah, talk about your song, um, and why you picked it and, and, and how I'm really curious about how your faith was functioning in your own life, um, as you're encountering this really difficult season, um, and, and, and how, um, and how your faith functions, maybe even now, um, assuming that that's a, that that's a, a key component of your own, uh, posture of resilience.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, I'll start with the song, right? Uh, that is, the day that I found out that I was in remission, um, we had a little family dinner. It was me, and my two sisters, and and my mom and dad all huddled up and just big hugs and big smiles all around. You know, it was probably the best day, best news I've ever had in my life uh, to find out that I didn't have cancer anymore. And you know, my dad prayed over over dinner and then kind of just requested that that we could just sit in prayer and. And listen to a song. And that happened to be the song that he played. Uh, hmm. So I spent the next, you know, three minutes and 55 seconds of the song holding my dad as he was bawling his eyes out. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, wow. So, and, th- I mean, that song speaks so much into, like, where I feel today, like how my, how my faith is today. And, and just the aspect, I mean, every day is a blessing, right? Whether it's, whether it's something that may be an obligation, you know, or, or just having to go to work, but like you have the, you have the control in your mind to look at it as an obligation or you can look at it as an opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the big, a big mentality shift that came out of came out of everything was was looking at things that i'd prior looked at with a very skeptic and a very pessimistic attitude and it went from that to uh, very opportunistic of you know like i'm lucky whether it's doing homework or you know sitting in a meeting at work or like doing something fun, <laughs> mm-hmm. like like working out or, or doing something like that and hanging time with friends, like every single one of those things is is a blessing, is an opportunity that you're like, I'm lucky to have. And that was, so that was a big perspective shift. Um, as far as my faith goes throughout the process, geez, uh, a roller coaster ride mm. would probably be like the closest way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, you know, asking the, the why me questions, uh, and kind of the self pity, um, that, and the anger that came with that of, you know, I worked hard to, to be where I was at, uh, worked really hard to get there. And I felt like it was all getting taken away from me and I didn't know why. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was something that was, was there and was very present at times. And then, you know in a matter of two hours, my perspective would shift again. And, and I would be thanking God for, for what, what he had given me and, and thanking me for thanking him for giving me the chance to sit down and, and, you know, really settle and think and contemplate about life and, and sit in prayer and, and, I mean that was the that was the most calm in a in a lot of weird ways. That was the most calm my life had ever been. Hmm. I had nothing but free time. I had no energy to do anything besides sit and read and think, hmm. and and so it was it was a lot of forced time to just be alone in my thoughts and be alone with God. Ultimately,
0: yeah. First time I read a large chunk of the Bible, uh, which is my. Uh, sacred scripture um was um when i was in the hospital after i crushed my wrists snowboarding um and i had i was in a foreign country so i couldn't like talk to people uh like my nurse different language right um and the tv shows were all in german and i'm like oh i got a a bible so i guess i'll (laughs) read that right and like i was like mind blown um but yeah so uh I, i definitely can resonate with that um, the the power of kind of being forced to forced into being still and silent, but um, I, I wonder were there moments when you just were like angry, um, and angry at God, and and if so, did you did you did you tell him, did you tell God, oh, yeah. um, that you were angry? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: And last time we talked, we, you brought up the the whole concept of lament, right? Yeah, yeah. And and like how. I mean, I would say that that was very present in in my throughout that entire process, and just the ability to. I mean, I yelled at God. There was there mm-hmm. was a lot of times where I I was very mad and I was very honest and upfront with that.
0: Did you use dirty words? Yeah, I sometimes do sometimes. <laughs> I yeah, 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 yeah. Shh, don't tell anybody. He's <laughs> like, uh, still listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right.
1: But but that was okay. Yeah, that was very. I mean, I was. It's therapeutic, Very, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean it's to It's a cut release. You off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Was <laughs>
2: abandoning your faith ever a thought or an option though?
1: No. no. And that's, that's something that, I mean, as angry as I would get, yeah. the closer I would draw to him, that, right? Uh, that's and that's, the, that comes back mm-hmm. into like the lament idea, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of bringing those angers, those frustrations to God mm-hmm. and, and being honest and open with them. And in that, finding a way to trust him more and, and finding a way to give that to him and just be like, I don't know why you're doing this. I hate that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. I hate everything about this situation right now, but you are still sovereign.
0: Yeah. There's something about, there's something about, um, I think we're, we're sometimes afraid um, to, uh, to be honest with God when honesty means we have to say that we're angry at God because we don't think that we have um, the right to be angry um and, and and I think that whether we have the right to be angry or not isn't really the question because we're still angry right like i yeah. I mean <laughs> I'm convinced that my wife doesn't have the right to be angry at me on a regular <laughs> basis however uh <laughs> She's still angry, (laughs) right? Like, this is how it is, Um, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, And, and what, what I've discovered is that um, there is, there is massive amounts of grace um, for my anger. And, and, and I'm a, I'm a person that actually has really wrestled with like anger. Um, And there's a lot of grace for my anger. And that's, and that's what like lament, right, is this thing that allows us to, to be, to be angry and to pour out our anger and our, and our sadness and our tears and in a hopeful way, the hope isn't necessarily that, that everything's going to get better, but the hope uh, that infuses our anger is that, is that, is that there's a place for us to put that and the, and the place for us to put that anger is no kidding like at the at the foot of god at the feet of god like mm-hmm. can can you can you just take this and i'm mad i don't know if that mm-hmm. i don't know if that's something that is oh yeah syncs with how you felt in that process
1: very much so it was actually it's funny that you say like you give that imagery of of putting all of those things at the foot of god cuz that was a, uh, something that, that my dad talked to me about And Mm. and something that I actually prayed through, I mean, sometimes it was once a day, Mm. a lot of times it was like moment by moment of, of literally sitting in prayer and just closing my eyes and envisioning, like handing all of, all of my anxiety, all of my stress, all of my anger, all my frustration, all my self-pity, whether it was valid or not. Right. Right. Um, It was there and And just visualizing my hands lifting that up and just setting it into God's hands, and just that visualization helped mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. but that was definitely something i mean that's that's very much how i felt and, and
0: and it doesn't always have to end in a with a with a happy your story ends very at least so far right very joyfully um you know, there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of examples where, um, where people, it, it doesn't end
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, with a happy, you know, happy thing. Uh, there's this, there's this uh, uh, Psalm right in the middle of, um, of the Bible, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible and the uh, Christian Greek New Testament, right, right in the middle of all of that is this Psalm, Psalm 88. And It's just bad. It's just bad. Like it starts with death and it ends with death and there's nothing good in between. Mm -hmm. Right. And conventional kind of faith always, there's this, there's this kind of drive in conventional faith that, well, there's always going to be a happy ending. There's always going to be a happy ending. Hmm. Not for Psalm 88 um, and not when you're sitting with chemo and you don't know um, whether it's going to work. And, and especially, especially when you've had um, the thumbs up stage one, you're good oh, wait, never mind, stage three, it's all the way up at your collarbone. We're going to have to, like, take apart your immune system. You've already given up, like, one of your very important body parts. Um, and, you know, we don't know. We might have to take the other one, too. You're right, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you definitely do. Uh, <laughs> you do. You know, like, in, in that, like, there's not a happy ending in that moment, right? There's no...
1: You don't see the light at the end. There's of the no, tunnel there's either.
0: no, there's no light. <laughs> yeah. Like the reality is, there's no light. Um, and it's always easy to go like, oh, looking back, there's, you know, it, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But in, in that moment, it's just darkness. It's just darkness. It's just death on death. Um, and, and I don't mean to like be all like sad, but, but Psalm eighty-eight is, is just that. Um, and, it's, it's there to instruct us i think readers um that there is grace for those moments and that we can we can voice that kind of um that kind of despair openly and honestly to our friends and to our god yeah um and that that can be a powerful thing did you find that to be a powerful thing
1: yeah i mean exactly what you were saying right like in the middle of it it's not like no, I wasn't sitting there in the middle of a chemo session being like, you know what, Like, I know what the outcome of this is going to be.
0: Yeah, you're not going, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. You're going, I may be dying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and trying to deal with the the thoughts of your own mortality mm-hmm. at 21 mm. is like a interesting situation mm. to be in, mm-hmm. uh, right? And, and I found a weird piece in it. After, after some time, I found a weird piece of knowing that while earthly for me, uh, like it may not end well and it may have ended in, in death, right? Like I had full confidence and full faith. I was able to put that in in the fact that that God's plan is sovereign, right And mm-hmm. it is okay. If, if my life is not supposed to be a long earthly life, Mm. but, but spiritually, like his kingdom will hopefully have growth out of it. Mm. And that was what really gave me peace through that whole time with that. And obviously there was still times where I would have a panic attack and be freaking out Mm. and not be able to see that even and Mm. not find that. And, you know. That's when I would do the visualization of just laying that all down. Here you go. So, so what do you do now? Uh, What do you take away
0: uh, in your, in your, um, you know, day to day here and now? This was my, this was my approach to like life and resilience before. And now I've been through this incredible thing. and, And this is my, this is my takeaway. And this is how I maintain a posture of resilience today. No kidding. 2020.
1: Whiteman Air Force Base. Ah, oh, jeez. I mean, I don't even remember exactly how I looked at things prior, right? Yeah. Uh, because, one, some. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time. It's been less than two years, but, um, I mean, just my the gratitude and the thankfulness of, of every day. Right Even the mundane, the ordinary, right, trying to find beauty in those things and and sometimes it's hard, but acknowledging that it is there and that it's a thought that I need to have is one of the biggest things of, of that just can that helps me stay positive throughout you know the highs and lows of just everyday life and and the highs and lows of like our society and the like the life that we live today, um, and just just trying to love everyone around me, right? Because, you know, there's people that my sisters were friends with that didn't know my situation. And, and my sisters were dealing with all of this fear and all this pain, you know, as family members of me as I went through it. Uh, and, and knowing that, like, any, any given day I could be talking to someone that is dealing with a massive amount of pain mm. or, or loss or, you know, struggling with something at that time. Like at that point, it's like I'm gonna try and love everyone Hmm. as as good as I can. Like life's too short to be angry or frustrated over silly things. I'm just gonna (laughs) love well. I'm gonna try my hardest to. I fail at it, but I'm gonna try and love well. There's a discipline of your mind, yeah,
0: to 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 have a disposition of the heart. Hmm.
2: You went through this uh, really big experience, right? Um, my question for you would be, what would you tell everybody listening, right? Like your one key takeaway that in this anger that you felt and frustration and like the unknown and um, the fear that you had, someone that might be struggling with their faith or struggling to keep, um, you know, keep looking in the right direction. What would you talk, what would you say to them?
1: I mean, from a faith standpoint, right? Because that is, that is very important to me and and something that is, been a foundation for how I am able to look at things um, from an everyday standpoint. I mean, it's okay to be frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were discussing, Mm -hmm. like it's okay. Like a loving father is the loving father, no matter how angry you get, right? Mm -hmm. Like no matter how angry you get and how, how much you yell at your father, like he is loving you forever, regardless. So that that fear and the doubt is okay, but but trying to find the ability and the courage to to be upfront with God about that is is something that that a lot of people struggle to do, right? And I don't, I know I struggle to do um, at first as well, and I still do sometimes, you know, trying to bring my my own issues to Him. Uh, so that's one piece as far as like advice, I guess, for, for outside of a faith standpoint. I mean, you never know what people are going through. Right. And you yourself may be having a hard time. Uh, and, and maybe just one of the, one of the most life giving things is to give somebody else a reason to smile. Right. When you're having the hardest <sighs> time, yeah. when you're having the hardest time in, or, yes. or at your lowest point, Right. Seeing that you put a smile on somebody else's face, like it's that simple sometimes. It's so I,
0: powerful, too, isn't it? Yeah. It yeah. can
1: really like, change your day. It, yeah. changes, it changes your, your day. It changes your it entire mentality, your value, like how you, f- you know, if you feel worthless,
2: exactly. you feel like you're not
1: doing anything for anyone.
2: And you, you put a smile on somebody else's face and you, you just made an impact on. And not only that, but like the way that you treat other people, like you don't mm-hmm. know the impact that you could have on another person, too. Exactly. So being able to be that light for somebody else's. It's impactful.
0: Yeah. That, w- w- is that like uh, emotionally healthy narcissism? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I totally get it. Uh, I, I totally get it. Um, but it is so powerful. Man, Parker, thanks so much uh, for being willing to share your story. Thanks so much for coming in and uh, sharing uh, with the with the Whiteman community uh, what is possible when, uh, when you combine some grit and some faith and a little bit of uh, holy rebellion, uh, so that you can, uh, so that you can be uh, who it is that uh, that you've set out to be. This has been outstanding. Oh,